But I prayed with my head down and my eyes averted because I had this fear that if I would look him in the eye, look God in the eye, he would look at me and say, why are you deserving? Hi, I'm Tanya, and you are listening to the very first episode of Human and Holy, a podcast by the Tanya Project where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. In today's episode, I interview Hindi Comenson, who is a marriage coach, teacher, and mom of four living in LA. And Hindi is someone who I personally really admire for her self-awareness and her commitment and willingness to grow and change and evolve, and also her willingness to share this with us. Hindi is by nature a really private person, so I really cherish that she chose to share her story with us. Hindi will walk us through her process of internalizing the Kabbalistic paradigm for relationships, the relationship between the mashbia and the makabel, the giver and receiver, and how that impacted her relationships in her life. Hindi speaks about how she had to really let go of control and embrace her imperfections in order to truly receive from the people around her and from God. If you're someone who struggles to receive ever, (laughs) okay, that's everyone, but if you struggle to receive compliments, if you struggle to receive from the people close to you, if you struggle to receive from yourself, or if you even just struggle to receive graciously from God, then I think you're really going to love this episode. Let's get right into it. My name is Cindy Kalmanson. I am a wife and a mother of four Baruch Hashem. I live in Los Angeles. I have always been a teacher and have now become a marriage coach. And I'm really passionate about parenting and about relationships and about self-growth. Can I ask you to zoom out for a second and give context on this topic that we're going to be discussing, which is the relationship between the mashbia and the makavel, the giver and the receiver, according to Torah? Yes. So mashbia and makavel. Let's just first define the terms, if that's okay with you, just so we have real clarity on the subject. So mashbia is the person who, right? So mashbia comes from the word shefa, which means sustenance. So the person who gives sustenance, and I guess here we'll just call it the giver. And makabel comes from the word kibel, which means to receive. And makabel means the person who receives. So I kind of use mashbia and makabel as the giver and receiver. And mashbia makabel is a universal concept although it does come up a lot in Hasidic liturgy, and it's definitely a concept discussed a lot in the Chabad world. And I've always known about it. Nowadays, I see it a lot more clearly in my everyday life. But I just would love to give you a few examples of where you can see it. So where we've seen it, 
with examples in Hasidic liturgy is, for example, the Friedrich Rebbe talks about a teacher and student relationship. So a teacher is being mashpia, he is giving over information to the student, who is hopefully makabel, who's receiving that information. Another example the Friedrich Rebbe gives is a father and a child. And the way he describes the example is how the father is bending over to really reach up and bring up the child, but he's bringing himself down and he's giving over his love, time, and attention to this child. And the child, of course, receives it. So there's always this flow of energy between people and even the world, you know, between us, the world, and the ultimate giver, Hashem, God, who is the one who sustains us and gives us vitality every single moment of our life. So Mashbiyah Makabal is a really relevant topic, and I'm really excited to talk about it. When did you personally begin to develop a relationship with this idea? So this is obviously something, as you said, that you were exposed to many times, but recently began to see more clearly. So can you tell me what that shift looked like? When did you begin to develop a personal relationship with it? So I always knew about the concept and I always really resisted it. I don't think I was very like consciously resisting it, but I did because I didn't want to be a macabre. I kind of put Macabre in the same category as being weak, as being the follower, as not having an opinion. And I also saw it as being very vulnerable. And I didn't want myself to open up to receive anything in any situation because I didn't want to be on the receiving end. I wanted to be the giver. So I resisted receiving compliments, gifts, help. I wanted to always be the mishpia. And yeah, it just doesn't really work with a woman's energetic flow to constantly be the giver because we are really built to be a vessel. Physically, we're built to be a vessel. Emotionally, we're built to be a vessel, right? We are emotionally in tune with all the people around us. You know, a mother in her home, she feels everybody's moves and she's affected by everybody's moves. So she's receiving all that energy. Hormonally, women are very much the receivers. We we receive different fluctuations in our hormones all throughout the month, birth, pregnancy. We receive a lot and, and that's the way we're built. And it's exhausting for a woman to step into that role of giver all the time. And to be a constant giver is for a woman to go into this mode of constantly giving where she's just totally depleted and has nothing yet left to give. And that was a a real learning experience for me to see how I totally wasn't looking at Mikabel for what it truly is and to see how I wasn't really being a good mashbia because I would become so depleted and realizing what both of them actually mean and how I could fall into that category properly and align myself with who I really was. That was a a huge learning experience for me. So what happened was this happened earlier on in my marriage. We were traveling and as you know, traveling, things get a little difficult. You know, there's always little challenges that spring up. And I was doing bedtime by myself. And when my husband finally came home, I very 
respectfully asked, where were you during bedtime? And my husband said that he had been helping his sister because she needed his help. And at the time, I couldn't understand why that made sense. Why wouldn't he just understand that I needed the help? I'm his wife. Of course I need help. It took me a long time to realize that that was not at all the message that I was imparting to all the people around me. The message I was sending to people around me was, I don't need help. I got this. I'm self-sufficient. I'm perfect. I have this all under control. I am a rock and I could stand on my own and I don't need help at all. And that was that message that I was clearly sending to everyone else. So when he said that, he saw my messages very clearly for what they were. And he went to, you know, his sister who actually did need help and was the giver in that situation instead. It took me years to realize what was wrong in the communication. I was always looking at that story as, oh, he's the issue. He's not in tune with my feelings and my needs until I finally realized that I was sending a double message and I wasn't even in tune with what I wanted and what I was actually saying. So it was very humbling to realize that all the people around me wanted to give to me, my friends, my relatives, sisters, brothers, parents, they were trying to give to me. And by resisting it, I was rejecting their gift. I wasn't looking at them giving to me as a gift, as something that's freely given without ulterior motives. I wasn't even able to go there. I was stuck in my desire to come off as perfect to everybody around me. And my my fear that if I accepted help, it would mean that I'm not good enough or I'm lacking in some area. So at a certain point, I started examining who I was and how I had built up my own persona and what was working and what wasn't. And I, I really started to see that I wasn't receiving from the people around me. And it was a very painful thing to realize, but also very liberating to realize because it was me. And that's something that I could change and that's something that I could work on. And so that was a huge shift to realize there's one common denominator here in all the relationships. That's me and (laughs) my lack of receiving from the people around me. Yeah. Truly humbling. Truly humbling. I hear what you're saying though. It's empowering because you had the tools to change that once you became aware of it. Well, I had to learn the skills. I had to learn certain skills and tools. At first I understood what was going on, but didn't know how to navigate and still am navigating because, you know, of course I'm not perfect. I really veer away from perfect. (laughs) I veer far, far away from perfect. As far away as possible. Exactly. (laughs) You're great. You're perfect. (laughs) Was there a specific situation that sparked this shift? So obviously like these things are a process, but sometimes there's like that pivotal moment or a story or an event or something that happened that you realized in the moment, like something is wrong. Like I'm, I'm a mushpia. I'm giving, I don't know. I'm not receiving from the people around me and something has to, something has to give. At the time, thank God I had already 
established a sisterhood, a bunch of friends that I would speak to, actually fellow coaches, but we could get into that later. And one day I had gone to a park with my three kids and I was pregnant. And there I saw a friend, an old, you know, someone I knew, and she had her three kids and her husband with her. And I was kind of like, obviously comparing us, me being there with my three kids and pregnant. And she right away says, wow, you're like a super mom. And because I had already had my realization that I want to receive, it really hit me in the gut. And after speaking it over with some close friends, I realized that what was it about Supermom that had once been alluring to me and now was not? The realization was the admiration, the confirmation that, oh, you are capable, you are perfect, you got this, that I was actually searching for. And knowing that that's not true and nobody's perfect and I need people in my life and being self-sufficient is just a very lonely path to take. I didn't want to be super mom anymore. And that day at the park to me was kind of like a pivotal moment in that I realized I have to really throw myself into this feminine thing and figure out how to open myself as a true vessel and stop trying to be the giver and to be the masculine one in every situation that I'm in and instead really embrace my femininity and, and who I am as a vessel. Yeah. And that's been very beautiful. That's a beautiful story, especially because it seems almost innocent on the surface, but because you were in middle of processing that internal awareness, it kind of like pinpointed to you what you wanted to change. Yeah. Which is just like such a testament to like how things have to happen at the right time when you're in the right headspace for them to sink in in that way. So when you say you wanted to lean in more to becoming feminine, to becoming more of a vessel, what do you mean by that? I know for myself personally, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, that I have a bit of like an averse reaction to that, to the word like macabre being a vessel because I think of a vessel as something that means emptying yourself and putting yourself aside to let someone else kind of take center stage and you're just the supporting role. So can you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by becoming a vessel? Yeah, I so relate to that question. That used to be the way that I used to perceive this. Being an empty vessel meant that I am nothing and I'm hollow and not interesting. I don't have my opinions. I can't contribute to the world. Now I'm a doormat. And it was like very extreme for me. Obviously, if I'm empty, it means I'm nothing. And now after really going this journey, I have actually, it sounds funny, but I've actually seen the opposite show up for me, which is fascinating. And I'll I'll explain to you how. So in learning, kind of like really diving into what being a vessel is. So we spoke a little bit about this before, but being a vessel is kind of a scary place to be in because you're open, right? You're kind of vulnerable. And when you're in a vulnerable place, it's scary. When someone is expressing something vulnerable to a friend, even if you know it's an intimate friend, there is that fear. Like, how is this going to be received? How am I going to be perceived? When you open yourself up to help, you're opening yourself up to rejection. And being 
vulnerable is going into a a fear-based place. And what often happens is because there's so much fear, because we are vulnerable, we seek to control. And if we're seeking to control because of that fear, then we're kind of shutting off our openness, right? So imagine an open vessel and imagine responding with fear. You're kind of like twisting that vessel to close a little bit on the top so that you can't receive anymore because it's too scary to be open, right? Kind of like a Venus flytrap. It's slowly shutting because it doesn't want to be open. That's vulnerable. So what happens often is if you're functioning from a place of fear, I'll speak about myself. I was closing off my vessel from really truly receiving. And the fears for me, okay, so this is my personal fear. Everyone has their own personal fears. The fear for me was everyone's going to see me for what I really am. They're going to see that I'm not perfect. They're going to see that I don't have it all together, that I am not a great mom. Basically, they're going to see the truth, which is that I'm not perfect, which was so obvious, obviously, to everybody around me. But to me in my head, I had to put up this mask, this guard that I am, that everything's fine. And really, I was just wearing that mask on my face. Everyone knows that, of course, nobody is actually perfect. But because I was functioning from that fear of what everyone's going to see, it actually was working against me to show up as the person that I truly am. So I'll give you a funny example. So we're painting my house and because I function now from a place of openness, so I was asking other people's opinions, which was a big deal for me because I didn't usually used to do that. So here I'm asking other people's opinions and the friend that I have who's a designer said one color and my mother agreed and my sister agreed and the contractor agreed. And ultimately I looked at that color and I said, you know, I want something more buttery and more creamy. And everyone said, no, it's going to look yellow. And I got in tune with myself and I heard their opinions and I walked myself through that fear. You know, I stopped and I questioned that fear that was coming up in me. Yes. Yes. I'm afraid right now. The are disagreeing with me. They might see that I'm not perfect at designing a home. They might see that I'm not so good at this. This is not really my thing. And I walked through it and I emerged saying, you know, I still want to stick with my opinion and it's okay that I'm not perfect. I still love this color. And Ultimately, I went with that color. And what was so incredible about this little story, which sounds really simple, was that I wasn't functioning from a place of fear any longer because of my vulnerability, because of my openness, because I'm now a vessel that I can even receive from myself and I could slow down and listen to the people around me and still look to myself for what I really want. The old Hindi would have said, okay, this is what everybody wants. And I would have put my head down and just plowed ahead and hope that nobody sees that I'm not really good at what I'm doing right now. So now coming from a place of opening myself up to being that vulnerable person, being that vessel, I could own my own desires. I could own my own opinion 
And I could even stand higher and straighter than I was before because before functioning from a place of fear was closing me up, not just from receiving from other people, but even from receiving from myself, from having a voice. And I know it sounds so the opposite of what everyone says nowadays, but this was my experience where I question that fear now because now I'm a vessel and I love being that vessel and I receive from my husband and from my parents and from the people around me. And I also slow down and receive from myself. And yeah, that's been my experience. That's really interesting. And it it seems counterintuitive, but I can really see it in the way that you describe learning how to receive as learning to embrace the fact that you're imperfect and could use the help from people around you. So I'm not super mom. I can't do everything myself. I can't choose everything myself. I can't carry the entire burden. So I'm moving out of that place of perfection to a place of accepting the fact that I'm human. And once I'm not perfect, I'm not so afraid to explore who I am and to explore my own opinions and desires and ideas. Because if I'm not perfect. That's fine. Like we all agree that I'm not perfect. I'm receiving. So that's a really good point to be working from. And I can see how like that openness leads you to that place because there's less fear. There's more of a relationship. There's more acceptance of yourself and your humanness. Yes. Yes. And it's kind of like jumping into that uncomfortable, but beautiful place to be vulnerable. I feel that it's opened up so much for me in my connection with other people. I could really meet people in a very authentic way because I'm not guarding myself as much anymore. Of course, I'm not like laying it out on the table. Obviously, there's times to be intimate with certain people and not with others. That's for sure. But here I'm just, I'm coming from a very comfortable place of being comfortable in the discomfort of being in Macabo. And I love it because, again, it's opened up that connection with other people. It's opened up myself to be gentle on myself, to really give to myself, to go on a walk if I need a break, to make myself breakfast instead of eating only the leftovers that my children have left on their plates. I'm not exhausted anymore because I'm not the constant giver and performer for everyone. I could pause and restore my energy. And I think that was a huge part of, of really seeing myself as a macabre. I hear that. And also, so that means that when a person is operating from mashpia mode constantly as a mother, for example, mashpia mode means martyr mode, Mm. right? Like you can't receive, you can't slow down. You can't receive breakfast from yourself. You can't receive a break from your husband during his lunch break. You can't if you stop for a single moment, the entire world's going to burn down. Yeah. So as a marriage coach, I'm sure you see this happen, especially because when people come into coaching, they're not necessarily in the ideal place in their relationships. But what happens when when someone opens themselves up to receive? They open themselves up to be a macabre and the giver in their life, whoever that might be, doesn't step up to the plate and they're kind of left open, hanging, vulnerable, and exposed, but just completely rejected. Mm, That's so painful. Yes, this happens a lot. It's very prevalent. It's kind of the risk of opening yourself up 
It often happens with a husband and wife relationship where a wife feels like, Hey, I'm going to try this out. You know, she was speaking about being feminine and opening yourself up. And let's say she asks for help or she's vulnerable about something and he totally doesn't respond in the way that she wants him to. So here I want to kind of bring in another aspect of being Mikabo, which is letting go of control because that's a huge part of it, right? If you're really being macabre, then you're really opening yourself up and you're letting go of that fear. So therefore you're letting go of that control. If there's still a little bit of control, it's going to shut you off a little bit from the giver. So what does that control look like? That control could come up as an expectation where you're kind of trying to manipulate the outcome where you're being vulnerable. So I'll give you a quick example. Let's say a woman says, you know, I'm going to express that I need help around bedtime with my husband. And she says, oh, I need help. I'm exhausted. And so her husband starts going to the through the motions of trying to help her with bedtime. And, you know, he gets the pajamas out and she's you know, putting the other kid into pajamas and she sees that he's putting on summer pajamas when it's the winter. And she says, oh yeah, those are summer pajamas. The red flannel ones are in the drawer. So there she is kind of inserting herself into where she was opening herself up for help, opening herself up to receive from him. She's not really receiving it. She's trying to manipulate the outcome. There's still control involved in the actual situation that they're in. Now, it could even happen that a woman opens herself up and she really opens up and she really makes herself vulnerable. And the mashbia, whoever it is, you know, he, let's say a husband or somebody else, doesn't show up. And that's so painful. And that also could happen where she is showing some sort of disrespect in the relationship. So, like, let's say, He was sharing something with her about work and she gets involved in what his decision-making was and kind of second guesses it. And then 10 minutes later asks for help or gets vulnerable about something that happened to her day. And he doesn't really take her in in his arms and really, you know, gives her the energy that she wants. And that was because she had just disrespected him 10 minutes before. And now when she's kind of opening herself up, it's not as if he just erased that disrespect that had just happened 10 minutes earlier. Now, some husbands will, and that's beautiful and incredible. I have found in my personal experience that diving into femininity has to be as much as one can to be across the board. And if there's that disrespect or that seeking to control that's involved at the same time, you're not going to see the same results from the mashbia because you're not really opening yourself up to really be macabre. So, you know, those red flannel pajamas just totally close that channel or at least shrunk it a little bit because now you just manipulated the situation. So there's really that, that concept of like letting go really being open. So when someone gives to you, you just receive what they give you without expectation and without trying to control. So if someone wants to give you 
a gift of putting the kids to bed or someone wants to give you the gift of their time or a compliment or a favor, whatever it is, you just fully accept it without trying to control it. Yes. It's very hard. If I have to, I'll leave the house. I'll go to the next room. I'll, for example, if my husband offered to do bedtime, I would distract myself so that I don't have to focus on what's going on. I don't want to get involved in the way he is parenting his own children. He's doing it in his own way. I don't want to just right now I'm in receiving mode. I want to receive this gift he's giving to me and I'm going to do something fun for myself and restore my energy back. This is what he's giving to me. He's giving me this space to restore my energy. So I'm going to go eat something or listen to a podcast or talk to my friends on the phone and not control what's happening and also let go of what's happening. What if my husband is not handling the kids so well and one kid is complaining and and she's upset and, and he's not getting what he needs emotionally, I'm letting go of that because right now he's stepping into this giving mode he's giving to me and he's parenting and that's what he's doing right now. And I have to let go if I really want to be a true feminine receiver and be that vessel. I hear that. And I want to also share that I am not perfect in this. And this is definitely, this has definitely been a struggle for me and continues to be so. I want to be really authentic and genuine. This is something that I think will be a lifetime journey, really journeying into my vessel and how great and how big I can make it. And I love what it creates for me. So I'm really excited about stretching my vessel and making it larger every day because the larger I make my vessel, the more I can receive and the more my giver can give to me, be it my husband or anyone really in my life. I mean, I have friends who try to give to me and so many people, thank God I'm so blessed with so many givers in my life. And yeah, I'm excited to open myself a little bit more every day. That's beautiful. I'm curious to know if this shift that you experienced in learning to receive, learning to embrace your imperfections and letting go of control to be able to truly receive what people were trying to give you impacted your relationship with God, who we know to be the ultimate giver and we are the ultimate receivers from him and we're blessed to receive everything we have from him. So I'm interested to hear how that impacted your relationship with him. It's a deep question. This played a huge role within me. Uh, My relationship with God changed completely. I used to function from a really fearful place, like I said before, and I used to look at my husband and my four healthy kids, thank God, and I would you know, see how my husband's providing for me and he's such a special person. And I would think to myself, don't do anything. Don't say anything. Literally don't make any ripples. And I would literally pray because I still prayed every day. I would pray every day, but I prayed with my head down and my eyes averted because I had this fear that If I would look him in the eye, look God in the eye, he would look at me and say, you know, why are you deserving? You're not really 
doing all the commandments, all the mitzvot perfectly. You're not showing up perfect. You don't really deserve this. And I really, it's embarrassing to say this, but I really looked at the relationship, not as a relationship. I looked at it as transactional. Like this was very tit for tat, which I knew that I didn't deserve it. So it made me very uncomfortable. And it made me so fearful that if I engaged with God too much, he would look at me and then that's something that's something that happens to everyone because, you know, life happens and there's a something. I was scared that that something was going to happen. And yeah, that was a big deal for me. Once I entered into this realization of Makabal and being a vessel, I started to examine my relationship and I realized that I was the atheist in the foxhole. I would pray to God when I was sitting in my car because I was scared that our car was going to crash. Or I was the one who was praying to God after I dropped my kids off in school and say, God, make sure that he stays safe and that she's going to feel good today and and girls are going to be okay and, and kind to her and be nice to her. And I only prayed to him when I was filled with fear. And in all this journey making, I realized that that is not a relationship. I was not opening myself up to him. I was just grasping at straws when I was filled with fear because I know that there's a God in the world. It's not like I, you know, that I was really an atheist. I knew that. <laughs> Disclosure. I'm not an atheist, guys. <laughs> right. I was just too scared. I was just too fearful. So whenever I was scared, I reached out to him, but then I right away went back to that mode of don't look at me, don't look at me. Right. And I was hiding under that blanket, you know, like a little child saying, if I'm hiding and I can't see you, then you can't see me. And I realized that entering into relationship is scary and it's vulnerable. And that's part of my work right now. And realizing that my relationship with God, of course, is not tit for tat. And now I try to function from a place of, if I'm filled with fear, I literally tell myself that the things that are happening to me, which, thank God, not everything is perfect and not everything is great in my life. And I look at the challenges and I look at the waves as if they're coming from God too. And it's not coming from this all-powerful God who is out to punish me because I am not doing as he said. It's coming from him because he loves me. And even if I can't understand why exactly this is happening to me, I still know that he's the ultimate giver and that this is a relationship of a father and a daughter and that whatever he's doing, ultimately he's carrying me through it. And I'll tell myself, Hashem is carrying me. Hashem is holding me. Hashem will not leave me in this. Hashem knows what's best for me. And when I'm coming from a place of fear, I really affirm to myself that he loves me. And now we're in a relationship where if I'm experiencing true joy, and sometimes when I was experiencing true joy, I would immediately get fearful because 
what's going to happen next, right? That fear would pop up in me. It really would. And now when I function from a place of joy and that fear comes up, I continue being joyful. I'm just so happy that right now he's giving me this joyous moment. So this morning at 4.30 in the morning when my baby was crying and I went into him and he was so happy to see me. He spontaneously kissed me. That's so cute. It was so precious. I was like filled with joy. And I know in... I think that this is such a relatable thing, like a mother holding her child nursing and you're just filled with this like love for this baby and oh, that moment of just love, just joy. And instead of falling into that fear mode, I look Hashem in the face and I just, I look at God and I say, thank you. And I know that you love me. And I'm so happy to be your daughter and I'm so joyous right now. And I'm just going to stay in this moment of joy and not go anywhere else with it because I'm just receiving this, this love. And yeah, it, it has been a huge transformation in my relationship with God and being a vessel for his bracha and actively receiving what he wants to give me because before I was blocking myself off from his brecha, I was blocking myself off from, I mean, he was still giving me nonetheless. He was really the ultimate, he is the ultimate giver. And now I am humble enough to just receive it graciously and say, thank you for the beautiful life that he provides. So beautiful, Indy. Yeah. Thank you. I never pinpointed that the reason why it's harder to pour our hearts out to God when things are going well is because we don't necessarily want to acknowledge that we're so vulnerable, just as vulnerable as when tragedy strikes, because we're constantly receiving from God whether or not we want to be aware of it, and not communicating with Him when He's giving us good things is our way of ignoring what we're receiving so that we don't feel our vulnerability and our fear, which is that everything's in his hands and he decides at every moment what we get. So it's really like connecting so beautifully to that relinquishing control, recognizing that you never were in control and you never had it all together and allowing him to fully give to you and to, he's giving to you anyways, right? So it's really just about receiving it graciously, (laughs) saying thank you and like promising to, to do good with his gifts. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Just want to like sit with that. It's like such a, it's a really beautiful thought. There's this is like this trust factor, you know, where because of the fear, so you seek to, you're, it's almost like you're mistrusting the giver because you're in such a vulnerable place. And now, yeah, I would rather function from a place of trusting God to do his job yeah. than otherwise. It just, that's, I mean, that's how he built us. So I guess it's, it's not our fault, but we feel almost like, like if we plan our day, like we'd prefer that the day go as we planned than as God planned, even though God planned it to begin with, but it feels safer to go with our plan because we're in control. We feel in control. And that control is like so, so cozy, I guess, even though it robs us of, as you said, opening ourselves up to much greater blessing. Yes. Would you be able to share some actionable tips with me 
how someone could incorporate this into their life. Anyone either stuck in a cycle of not really being able to receive from themselves, from the people in their lives who are important to them, or from God, or anyone who just wants to rev it up a little, open the vessel a little bit more. So what are some practical tips for that? Yeah. So for me, it was a very gentle process. There's no button to push where suddenly you're in receiver mode. And like, we like to think that things happen at the push of a button and suddenly like the elevator opens. <laughs> so now I am an open vessel. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's going to work for me. Now you can move on to the next thing. <laughs> you're done. Yeah. That didn't work for me. So for me, the first thing, and I think this works for a lot of self-growth is there's this duality of acknowledging that you want to change things up a little bit and really trying to become very aware And the way it worked for me was once I decided that I wanted to change, that awareness was all too glaring. I saw it in almost every moment of my everyday life, how I had this resistance to receive and I would quiet that voice or I would turn up receiving mode. So, I mean, it would go literally throughout the day, someone offering to help me with my stroller up the steps to the grocery man saying, I'll pack your bags and bring them to the car for you to my mother offering to take the kids for an hour to my husband saying, Hey, I'm getting, I'm picking up a sandwich for myself. You want me to pick something up for you? And my knee-jerk reaction was always, no, I'm fine. I got this. I'm okay. Thank you. And to stop that and realize, "Uh uh-uh, we're changing things. We're going to work out this new muscle. And it was really weak to begin with. But even just noticing that and stopping myself was the first step. And then saying, yes, and thank you. I would love that was the next step. And, you know, until... I got to a deeper place of realizing that even when I was saying yes and thank you, I wasn't really receiving it within myself and having the humbleness to acknowledge to myself that, hey, someone just helped me out and I'm not indebted to them and I just received a gift and just like right. really working through like the guilt and the entitlement and all those other backstories that come along with receiving. So. Uh, practically just start working out the muscle, building that awareness and it gets stronger. And at least for myself, I saw how much it made the people around me so much happier to contribute to my life instead of constantly being pushed away. So I also saw, I saw how loving it made all of my relationships me allowing other people into my life and giving them the gift of giving to me, of contributing to me. So it was easy once I saw how nice it was. Right. I I like that, which is that when someone in your life wants to give to you, what it could be something so small, even a compliment that you just like would naturally reject or a gift or a favor. When your knee-jerk reaction is to say no, try leaning into a yes and recognizing that in doing so you're really welcoming them into your life and you're letting them contribute to you and you're telling them yeah you're right i can't do it alone and 
you're important to me. And like, I let you into that private space where you can see my imperfections. You can see the fact that I can't handle it myself and we can do it together, so to speak. Yeah. That's really good. And a huge part of it was acknowledging to myself and to the person who's contributing to me with gratitude. I saw that when I just really graciously said thank you and I meant it and I really received it inside myself, then they really received that from me too. They realized, wow, I'm the giver right now. I mean, just to give you an example, someone, I was speaking about this recently and this woman said, well, when someone gives me a compliment and I say, yeah, I got it on sale. I'm trying to be sensitive to her that like, maybe she doesn't have enough money to buy something like that, or maybe she didn't get anything special for you to buy herself. I'm trying to be sensitive to her. And I hear that. And at the same time, I think it also could create a discomfort in that person when she hears that you're not receiving her compliment and you're uncomfortable in receiving her compliment and you're going into her story of like the fact that she's not wearing something nice or she didn't spend the money or, or whatever it is. And I see that a lot where you could just receive it and say, thank you and really mean it and let go of everything else. Like for example, this just happened today. I heard someone else someone give a compliment to someone else. She said, Oh, you look beautiful today. And she said, really? I like just woke up and I didn't even put on makeup. Right. Such a common, right. That's so relatable. Even if you're not feeling beautiful, she put herself out there and said that you do. And so by rejecting it, you're not just, you're not just rejecting her compliment. You're rejecting her stance on it. You're rejecting what she believes her opinion. So it's really interesting how saying thank you and really meaning it. I'll give you an example. One time my husband offered to pick up my son and I even said thank you, but I didn't really receive it inside myself and, and tell him the thank you that it really meant to me. Meaning He offered to pick up my son and I walked away saying thank you, but I didn't really think that it was going to happen. I really actually believed that I was still going to pick up my son. I don't know why. I didn't receive it. And afterwards, I realized if I had just really received it and said, you would do that for me? Thank you. Then he would really know that he's going to pick up my son. And I would really know that he's doing that because I really received it instead of really rejecting him. Right. I said, yeah, thank you. And then I ran to go pick him up. <laughs> Literally what happened. It's embarrassing to say, but it's true. I hadn't received it inside myself, even though I said, yeah, thank you. I said, thank you. As I was running. Yeah, exactly. And it's totally a lose, lose situation. Cause it's like you reject him and you also lose that on the, up on the gift. Like you could have gone and partied it up, you know? Yeah, no, instead you're like, yeah. you're, you're doing carpool today. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of self-awareness. I would say the most practical thing would be to start analyzing where you're not receiving and what is it? What's stopping you? What's stopping you? What What is the fear? What is the fear? Can you really control it? And how hard would it be for you to let go? 
would be basically all these, you know, questions to start questioning why you're not receiving in this, you know, in this little instance or this really big instance, whatever it is that you're grappling with at the time. Thank you. That was a good takeaway. I appreciate that. Yeah. Just to close off, I want to ask you, I guess, more of a personal question. What motivates you to share this information? I know you to be a very private person, and this is obviously sensitive and personal and pretty vulnerable. So what has you sharing your story in this way and sharing your journey with these ideas? Mm. So yeah, this is a pretty public platform, even though it feels like I'm just speaking to you. It is a public platform. (laughs) What? Yes. So I'm kind of hoping that in sharing this, someone out there will say, hey, that I can relate to that. And I want to explore that. So that would be the reasoning behind me sharing this. And I feel safe sharing this because it's something that I've worked through already and I'm still working on. And again, I'm okay with people seeing that I am not exactly perfect. And yeah, it's a journey. That's so beautiful. That is so beautiful because I feel like what you just said encapsulates everything that you've been speaking about and that whole shift in your life, which is that in learning to embrace your imperfections, you also learn that like you can share something like this about this process that obviously you're still on that journey, even though you've worked through much of it, you're able to share it because like, yeah, I'm Hindi, I'm human and I can go into that place and I can be open. And I think in doing so you create real dialogue with people listening and real connection to the ideas that you're saying. That's beautiful. Hindi, thank you so much. This was so special. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. That was really beautiful. Thank you for having me on. Oh my gosh. Of course. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to reach out on Instagram at the Tanya Project or via email at humanandholy at gmail.com. I'd like to take a second to thank today's anonymous sponsors for being a partner in the work and making this episode happen. Thank you so much. To you who listened and walked through this conversation with us, thank you for your presence and thank you for your time. I hope you have a wonderful day.